Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza here with you. Saturday evening, West Virginia has lost um, pretty easily, pretty handily, I would say, to Texas. Final score is 38-20. Chris Anderson, cliche, sports writer, forgive me, but uh, not as close as the final score would indicate either. This was 28 nothing uh, in the second quarter, and everything that West Virginia wasn't supposed to be or could not be, West Virginia was tonight, including um, not prepared, not particularly effective on offense or defense, and also not lucky. Now, um, where do you want me to start, Mike? Do we, when do we do the silver linings portion of this this podcast, or do we start out negative, start out positive, do a little compliment sandwich and go or negative compliment sandwich, negative, positive, negative? How do you want to do this? Um, they earned this one tonight, so let's start negative. Okay, because that was about as bad of a start, offense, defense, everything as you could imagine. I mean, I believe the very first play, they got a false start uh, on the very mm-hmm. first play of the game after a kickoff. Uh, you had a drops. I, I know, and I've said this, I put it on a board, I tweeted it, everything. Like The secondary was getting roasted by fans and rightfully so because they were horrendous and we'll get there in a second but what was up with the receivers in the first half I think they had five drops and yeah I get it they weren't allowing the touchdowns but I think if they're not dropping passes like they are Texas isn't getting the ball right back West Virginia might have scored more than one touchdown in the first half it was just an all-around bizarre bizarre start for West Virginia Curious to me, there was one point where they had thrown eight passes and they had run one time on their first nine snaps. Mm-hmm. And okay, that's your game plan. This is supposed to be a team that runs the ball first and runs the ball well. We can get into the narrative there in a minute because they, they kind of rubbed me the wrong way this week. This isn't like a run-heavy team. Um, and they come out flinging it tonight because maybe they don't think their offensive line can cut it against that defensive line. And there was certainly um, fodder for that conversation with what we saw at the blocking tonight. But okay, we feel really good about our passing game and our receivers, the same receivers who can't catch the ball. Um, it's kind of hard to put the game into their, well, their hands if they're going to return the favor like that too. And I mean, they never hit the, the gas pedal here. They, they just kind of idled for the first drive or two drives, and Texas came out red hot, um, really setting up some good stuff on their first couple of drives to to move the ball and score. And it looked like the much better team as far as speed and talent, but also preparation too. They were ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Some of those some of those plays that they put together, and they were, um, what do you call them? Like stacking the plays, uh, piecing them mm-hmm. together, complementary type of plays. Just ones where it was, you know, it was a screen pass to the right, screen pass to the right, and then they'd go like they're going to a screen pass to the right, and then all of a sudden one of the receivers would streak down, or the running back would streak down on a wheel route kind of thing down the sideline. Boom, you're hitting him in stride. Um, I noted it somewhere, I guess it was late first quarter. I said, look, look at the number. It's a numbers game with some of these receivers. You're watching West Virginia run a wide receiver, a wide receiver screen, and they have three receivers out wide. One's catching it, two are blocking and Texas has four defenders. So they have two blockers blocking four people that leaves two open people to tackle. West Virginia goes for negative one yard. One that's that's either not schemed up well or Daniels is not reading that correctly and isn't, you know, audibling out of that play because you need to that that should never have been run. You should be able to see that there are that many defenders over there unless Texas just 
knew the play so well that they could start and hide it and then get over there afterwards. But at the very same time, I think it was the very next drive, Texas runs a play. And I think they had gone to the left on the previous play, almost like a pitch play. And then they did it again. They started and Card looked left and everybody on West Virginia's defense went that way. Everybody. And then he stopped, turned back right to a wide receiver screen. And it was two receivers over there, one blocking, one catching. And the one blocker had one guy to block. And that was it. And Texas got 15, 20 yards out of it. It just just looking at the play calls and the way they were stacking up and setting each other and they complemented each other for Texas. It, it seemed like they had everything ready to go and like they were the ones more prepared for this game, especially on offense. And it just whooped West Virginia's butt. It's not the Kansas offense. Kansas is kind of unto itself with what it's doing. Um, but all the pre-snap stuff that Texas did, it's not as dramatic. And you're not going to hear about how they only use one formation no more than four times. But they did a lot of motion. They did move some pieces around. And this is kind of what Jordan Leslie, I would say, warned about during the week when he was asked about, you know, what makes Steve Sarkeesian such a great play caller? And he said, you know, he hides his weapons. And, man, West Virginia's eyeballs are just always in the wrong spot, it looks like. And then when it when there is motion or there is a shift or there is a movement or there's an imbalance or there's some sort of red flag, they it just seems like that there's a panic alarm back there that maybe multiple people rush to ring um, because that secondary is just kind of discombobulated a lot. And it came you know, on touchdown passes on big plays or again where it just didn't seem like enough people were on the same page as to either what the play was or what the responsibility was or what the coverage was. And I don't know how that happens. And I mean, these are the same people who have been coached and mentored through mistakes and, and, and I would say small triumphs, but certainly there's been some good with all the bad, but this is bad, 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 bad. And then they just took aim with their secondary, Chris. Like it was, it was like, listen, we're just going to throw it up and like, let's see what happens. And it kind of caps off with this kind of yakety sacks kind of play with the, the tip ball in the end zone. But even before then, like it was, it was just kind of, one mistake after another by the secondary, which looks like it's going to be a problem because that they are trying to make changes. And, you know, Jacoby Spells is a true freshman who had a lineup against Xavier Worthy tonight. That's a hard matchup for very good corners. And, like, by the way, they're going to see some really good offenses here soon. Um, it's 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 going to be a problem for them until it's not. And I don't know how you'd make it not a problem right now. Yeah, there wasn't one guy that Texas picked on. It was kind of everybody. And everybody had their moments, their bad moments. Um, I mean, the Wesley McCormick getting just absolutely burned on that. Uh, was that the first touchdown where Worthy went in and cut back out towards like yeah. a flag pattern um, mm-hmm. and just turned him all around? I mean, just put him in the blender, mixed him up. That was it. Wide open, easy touchdown. Um, I think it was the next drive where Marcus Floyd, um, I believe I phrased it as he would might want to take a bathroom break. Uh, during film review of that yeah. entire drive because he took a horrendous screen, a horrendous angle on a screen on one play that ended up being big, uh, was part of a miscommunication that should have led to a wide open touchdown. I believe it was him and uh, Jacoby Spells. You don't know whose who's fault it is, but it's one of those two or both of them. Um, and then on the next one, that was the flea flicker trick play, a little wide receiver pass, mm-hmm. and the guy runs right by Floyd, and Floyd – Starts up, stops, lets him go by, and that's it. And it was just every single play was he was involved. And and again, I'm not trying to pick on him, but that was that was his bad drive. The drive before that was McCormick's bad drive. Spells 
true freshman, but he had a couple bad plays. Um, McLaurin got picked on a couple times, especially if he got stuck in coverage, man-to-man coverage. And it was tough. Like, it, it was just a tough all-around evening for the secondary. And Yeah. I don't. I, I, I mean, wrote down I, like everybody's name at one point. Uh, I was looking at things like, oh, here's one by Malinger, back to back, missed tackle, and then just kind of gave up on a coverage, and that's 50 yards on two yeah. plays. And then like, oh, Floyd, oh, Spells, oh, McCormick. Like everybody who was in that secondary had something happen to them tonight, which means they're all put in spots, and not one of them really produced. Yeah, and, and that's that's even more concerning because then what's the answer? You know, we we keep saying, hey, if, if somebody's not making a play, put somebody else in there. They did. And then that person didn't make a play. So they put someone else over there and that person didn't make a play. So now you're starting to get to a point of, of you just don't have any options and you just got to find the guy that will screw up the least, which is not exactly where you want to be. And, you know, you saw, I think a little bit more, I think you pointed out that uh, Mumu bin Wahad, who was started as a corner, mm-hmm. got moved to safety, was back at corner. Um, I believe we saw wait till snap counts come out, but maybe the most we've seen of Andrew Wilson lamp in meaningful snaps so far this season. So again, they're, they're trying new things. They're not sitting on it, but um, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure there's an answer on the team right now. There is, he wears number nine and it's probably going to be a while before he comes back. He'll help. <laughs> yeah. He'll help. But let, let's also be honest, Chris, like the, he, he has three games he can play. Right. If he wants to come back, like if he wants to come in playing three and a half games, not even three and a half games, three games and 12 snaps of a fourth game. And that's his final year of eligibility. Does Charles Woods want to do that? Here's a guy who did have NFL potential. I would say that that's probably a good a good summation right there. Is he an NFL player? Don't know. I don't know that now. I don't know how you could know that now right. um, if he's got no tape. So could they get him back in two weeks? Let's say hypothetically. Right. Um, yeah. OK, fine. But then, like, is he going to want to play for a team that that may be going nowhere, that may not be bowl eligible, that may be fighting for six wins, and he's he's hobbled, and then he's getting himself back, and maybe the tape isn't great, and you know he plays five games, and he can't get that year back. I I, I wonder what type of um, variable that becomes of things. But he they they dearly miss him on the corner because they don't have a guy who can run with people who can play zone, who can handle responsibilities. Um, they have a couple people they're trying, and I think to their credit, they're they are rolling people in there because. At some time, you have to just kind of say it can't be worse than the mistakes you're seeing. And I think what's particularly troubling, Chris, as I look at the defense tonight, um, the two things you heard about were, was that the secondary was going to be in better hands because they did not want to be young. They wanted to have veterans and that the defense is fast. That defense did not look particularly fast tonight. Um chasing a lot of things and, and jumping and not relying on speed, but like poor angles and, and poor pursuit and dump, jumping at ankles instead of, you know, trying to beat someone to an angle and take the spot from them and then make the tackle. And then you're talking your two starting corners and one of your safeties are transfers that right now don't look like they panned out. And, and if these are whiffs or these are miscalculations that you've kind of hinged um, your plans on for the defense. Well, if that's not going well, that may explain why the whole thing isn't going well right now too. So among the many surprises tonight, we can get out of the ones here. It just seems like that they did not have the speed that they, they've professed to have. And maybe they just got out athleted tonight. Certainly possible when you play Kansas. Um, but whatever momentum they had from playing Virginia tech, it's very different when you can pass the ball. They had a much better quarterback and much, much better skill position talent tonight. And that really, I think re-raised the questions about how good these veteran defensive backs are. Absolutely. And I think 
again, I'm not sure there's going to be answers this year, and I don't know where it is, but I think that what you touched on it just there with the guys that are not hits, and, and that's some, this probably something I'm going to look into and write about this week, and, and I know you've touched on before, but look at the transfers that have come in for West Virginia. Who out of all the transfers has actually made an impact this year, a positive impact for West Virginia this year? I mean, JT Daniels. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, honestly, it might be Lynn J. Dixon. Because <laughs> he, he left and it opened up a spot for C.J. Donaldson? That's the yeah. second best transfer? That may I mean, be. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not being, I'm laughing, I'm being, and I think yeah. you're right. It's tough. Parker Grothhouse is had some moments but like are we are we is the barrel that shallow we're already down there like we're talking about the guy who's you know had some issues getting into the end zone i think he winged one out of bounds I and mean, he's not he's not the issue don't get me wrong here but like yeah they, they invested a lot in in transfers and it hasn't clicked the receivers from the junior college level haven't done it you know mike lockhart's been i would say relative to expectations a, a serviceable Fine, player yeah. in the interior mm-hmm. um but not the saber thing and let's let's talk about the defensive line chris that's a young Texas offensive line. I believe they start two freshmen, two sophomores. I think it's two true freshmen, isn't it? It's at least one true freshman. Yeah. Um, nothing from the defensive line tonight looked like they were the stronger, more veteran, more mature, more successful group there. Um, just was not able to impact the game. And I'm, I'm watching, like, how is this happening? They, they rarely got pressure on guard. And when they did, he stood in there and made plays. Sacked him a couple times, but inconsequential and really not very successful against the run either. And, and, and you pointed this out, Chris, their run blocking was not very well uh, graded by pro football focus. And that offensive line didn't seem like I had any any troubles tonight with the front from West Virginia's defense. No, as I, was, I think I think I put in my rap reactions that uh, the West Virginia was fine in the trenches, which <clears throat> that was both sides. But again, you're not looking for fine at this point. Um, they're not, I don't think there's a reason West Virginia lost the game, but you're really hoping for something, especially when you have a matchup like that of senior, senior guys, junior guys, veteran guys, whatever you want to call them, uh, on West Virginia's defensive line to actually do something. And, and I think they got a couple pressures early, but then we're basically non-existent in, in granted Texas ran a lot of quick stuff, especially in the past game, but I didn't, I just didn't hear a lot of their names as the game went on. Um, and, and it wasn't like Texas just said, Hey, we're going to run the ball and milk the clock. They were, they were going no huddle shotgun, pass, 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 run, 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 like trying to move the ball up and down the field in the second half. And, and, and I just didn't still didn't hear a lot of that defensive line. Nope. Um, any more negatives, Chris, or Let me, many more negatives, Chris, something I want to, I want to throw out there. And for, to, just to think on because it's it's been it's bothered me and it's it's not bothered me but it's just you're playing with fire with this i run you back the last three years in the big 12 conference 2019 sam james leads the entire big 12 conference and drops bryce ford wheaton bryce ford wheaton doesn't get enough targets to qualify but as far as drop rate the the rate at which he drops passes was tied for fourth in the conference with anybody with mm. 10 plus targets. 2020, Bryce Ford Wheaton is tied for second in total drops. Sam James is, is tied for fifth in total drops. 2021, 
tied for third. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton's tied for third in total drops. Sam James is tied for seventh in total drops. When you have are on year four of two receivers ranking at or near the top or bottom, I guess, however you want to look at it, in the entire conference in drops, you're playing with fire. I mean, we've seen these guys make some big plays. Obviously, Bryce Ford Wheaton has made some big plays. But you're playing with fire with that, and sometimes it comes back to, to burn you. And it did at the start of this game with all those drops because a couple of those were Sam James, a couple of those were Bryce Ford Wheaton, and they came in key moments. And, again, it's just you can't act like you're surprised that it happened when it's been happening for three-plus years now. You got to make plays, too. That's the one thing. Like, some of those are very important early in the game because maybe maybe you can play ping-pong with Texas. Maybe. Yeah. Like, if your defense can't play, maybe maybe you can get some scores, and they just never gave them a chance there. And then, you know, this this doesn't matter, but, you know, Prather has a shot just to recover an onside kick. And it goes right through his hands. Like, same guy, same position. It's not a reception. And, again, it doesn't really matter there what's going to happen. They're going to get the ball for one more score. Maybe they cover. I don't even know if they can cover at this point, could they? Um, but anyways – just couldn't do it, and that's just that's just kind of indicative of everything there too. Let's go to the opening, Chris. Um, I'm imagining that when we listen to the Neil Brown press conference, or we get coordinators or players on Tuesday, that the way they started will be a surprise to them. Like, wow, I just thought, wow, I thought our squad was going to be more ready to go. How could you not be up for a Texas game? Inexcusable, all that stuff. Where you know you kind of flag yourself after a game like this. Um, they win the toss, they take the kick, and they come out throwing. Um, it seemed like they were eager to do something, like. We think we have matchups we can exploit. And again, maybe they wanted to avoid running into that defensive line, which is problematic because that offensive line of theirs they're supposed to feel pretty good about. And they didn't have it tonight. Um, I don't know. That doesn't speak very well to your confidence in your offensive line of your running game. But anyways, it seemed like they wanted to get the ball and go out and throw it and do something and maybe spark the offense or spark the defense with their offense. But it goes sideways right away, and they never recovered. Um, surprised that not necessarily the, the, the decision to take it, but that they came out perhaps aggressive and is completely miscalculated, it looks like. Not really, because I think, at least as far as my perspective of what this game was going to be, um, I thought it was going to be a back-and-forth offensive affair. I West Virginia getting torched in the secondary and Texas putting up a bunch of points, not shocking to me at all. I was assuming this game was going to be something like 42-35, to 49-38, to 38, something like that. Um, so if the coaching staff felt the same way of, hey, our offense is going to keep us in here concerned about the defense, let's get out there and score first. Let's put the pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm assuming they kind of thought the same thing I did, which <laughs> I think we know by now is not always the case. This may be never the case. But if you're thinking that way, I, I like the idea of coming out and trying to score first to put the pressure on the other team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the first couple of losses for West Virginia, frustrating or or factual. They could kind of say, well, if not for one play here, if not for one play here. And if you're an optimist, if you're a defeatist, whatever, you can hear that argument and say, you know what? Okay, possibility. Yeah, if, if something does happen, again, maybe four week makes that catch. Um, any number of things against Kansas. And they finally close that gap, and they make some of those plays against Tech. And you're thinking, all right, they learn from their, their mistakes. There is no such scenario tonight. 
again, we're saying maybe that they catch some of these passes in the first drive or first two drives, but there's no indication their defense is going to stop anybody. Their offense is going to be able to competently play again and again and again to, to win that ping pong match. This one just feels like an outlier, which turns this in a different direction because if you look at the schedule here, um, like I'm, I'm looking at a score right now where Pitt is down 19 to 14 at Georgia Tech. Pitt's at home. Georgia Tech just fired their coach. Um, Kansas, okay, 5-0, and oh, good for you. Virginia Tech is maybe really bad. Um, and here's a team that is Texas is 2-2, two and two, certainly has a pulse, but um, is, is West Virginia the get-right game on a schedule right now? Because Texas looked like they, they wanted the season on something and did, and it makes you think, like, all right, the season has changed here for West Virginia, which is the same thing maybe people thought 10 days ago after the Virginia Tech game. But here's a team that, that is very talented, has very good coaching, um, and, and wanted it and got it tonight. And look at the schedule. West Virginia is going to see some really good offenses and other teams that think they're good, and they're going to look at West Virginia's defense and say, we can have a field day here too. This feels like a different, a different, a different explanation of the defeat and a different set of expectations after the defeat than the conversations we had after the first couple of losses. Yeah, it sure does. And, 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 yeah, you look at the rest of the schedule. I mean, obviously a little bit of a bye week now, kind of a half a bye week since the next game's on a Thursday. But that's Baylor, who not exactly known for their offense, but I don't think they were known for their offense when they did whatever they wanted on offense against West Virginia last time around. So um, can't take that uh, at face value. But then Texas Tech, they're, you know, feeling themselves a little bit right now. TCU's obviously feeling themselves right now. Iowa State lost today, but – they look competitive. They have been competitive in every game so far. And then after that, Oklahoma, Kansas State, who looks amazing right now. Um, just not going to get any easier the rest of the way. Got to win four before you lose four if you want to be ball eligible. Yep. Um, also, this this bye week is going to be tricky, too, because they're not going to let players go home. I would I'd be very surprised if – I mean, their, their Tuesday is going to be – like, I mean, they're, they're moving everything forward two days, so I don't think they're going to let people go home um, on the weekend there. They'll probably give them a couple of days off during the week, but no one's no one's getting away from campus because they have a class. So they're going to be, you know, it, it's, it's going to be hard knocks, I'm guessing, for a while here while they try to figure out what happened and how they get it right, too. But they, they really need to win that Thursday night home game against um against Baylor. They, they, they really need that. Being two and four, going to the, the schedule they have after that, um, that is that that's not, not, not going to be biting a scenario for anybody there, too, there too. Can we just talk tenure, um, hot seat, things like that for a second? Yeah. Do we want to do that uh, or we, the po- one quick positive from the game? Gonna do that real let's, quick. Let's do the po- let's do the positive at the end. If people hang around, they can be redeemed by that. But I think this might be too. I just they're, they're just not gonna make a change in the middle of the season here. Certainly not after this because like they the score, I don't know. It kind of vindicates a little bit of decision not to do anything either. But um, look, Brown hasn't won three straight games yet. That's that's probably troubling if you're a, if you're a coach or a player or the athletic director, but um, it, it's going to be the end game here. It's not going to be a flashing. It happens in the middle of the season. I wonder if 28 to nothing had turned into 49 to three as a final score or something like really really bad one sided. This is still one sided game. Don't get me wrong, but I don't I don't think that a flash score is going to cause a decision here tonight. Um, but listen, they, they got to win games. They got to get it together and they're going to have to fix their defense. But I think if you're looking for, you know, the pound of the last year, if you're trying to join a pitchfork and a torch mob, um, probably not coming for you right now too, because it's not going to solve anything. Um, 
that it's going to be up to internal stuff with the coaches. How do they get this right person to know or who's in charge of game planning or making calls on who starts, whatever that may be stuff that gets scrutinized. But I don't think anything about, you know, I don't think the seat's any hotter than it was before. I don't think it cooled off significantly after the tech game, especially when you look at what's happened since then. Um, this is still an ongoing thing right now. This is a live thing that they're going to have to monitor and massage to make sure that whenever they make a decision in any direction, that it's fully informed and fully supported by everybody involved too. But I don't, I don't think anything is imminent right now at all. I'm with you. I think I like the way you put it. This is a kind of a, a living, breathing organism right now. Um, and, and this is not the end. I don't think, but would you say 49 to three? Like maybe I think that was the one scenario where it could have been something just horrendously <clears throat> bad like that. And again, this was, this was not good. Let's not try to pretend it was, but 49 to three, 56 to three, just something outrageously bad like that. That could have been it. And, and then, but again, it's just the question of what's next. What what are you going to do next? And you better have an answer there if you're going to make a move. Um, because yeah, I don't think anything changed one way or the other. I think if you know you lose to Virginia Tech and then you lose like this, then you're talking. But not that the Virginia Tech game like saved anybody. It's just again, I think every most people making these decisions realize that hey, Virginia Tech's not a very good football team. So if you lose to them too, things are bad, really bad. And so. Uh, still wait and see i guess for another week or a couple weeks to try to figure out what's going on and see where it goes each and every week i suppose all right how about some positives west virginia pretty clearly won the second half okay i think i mean i think that's going to be the first thing that the coaching staff mentions um and 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 this isn't one of those scenarios where the other team was up and they just took their foot off the gas because Texas was going for it, man. They were, they were going for it. They were gunning it deep. They were going for it on fourth down or, well, no, actually they didn't go for it on fourth down, right? They called timeout and then elected not to go for it, but they were going, uh, no huddle shotgun passing, throwing, like they didn't relax, um, much at all. And West Virginia won that second half. It was 13 to 10, uh, and the one touchdown that Texas scored in the second half, I mean, I was about, you want to say it's a fluke, but with how bad West Virginia's secondary is, a team scoring a passing touchdown can't be a fluke by definition. But it was a good play. Like I, I put it like things are going so bad right now that even when the secondary does something right, something wrong happens because that was a good play. They were in the right positions. They had two guys there. Guy jumped up to intercept it, kind of tipped it in the air, touchdown. Um and that's the only touchdown that Texas scored in the second half. And so I think there is some positives to take from that second half. Look and see what worked there. Look and see what worked on defense. Who was out there on defense that kind of helped stem, you know, slow things down a little bit for the Longhorns and, and maybe reward them with a little more time moving forward. Do I have this right here? Does they were West Virginia had the ball three times in the second half? Yeah. Uh, it's got to be more than that, right? No. Turnover on down to start the third quarter. Touchdown, touchdown. What? Is that right? I mean, that's what it says on stat broadcast, but there, yeah. there's no way. So here's your problem. Here's your problem with that, Chris. And like, I, I think if you step back and you have like a from a, from 100 yards above, perhaps you're right there too. But uh, they played with no urgency in that second half. Really didn't. Okay. Um, and like, I mean, here, here's an 18 play, 65 yard drive that took 731. That's that's a yeah. quarter. 
of the half, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> and, the, so the, it really was three drives. That's amazing. Yeah, so, like, I, I get what you're saying there, that they did some things, and, like, the scoreboard shows that, but, like, they needed more possessions, and they tried to get more with the onside kick, obviously, and I don't know if they get something on that first that first fourth down in the third quarter, uh, fine, but here's your back-to-back drives. 18 plays, 65 yards. 14 plays, 75 yards. That is 12. That's almost 13. That's more than 13 minutes off the clock on two possessions, so... They had a lot of work to do in that second half, and they just they just didn't have the plays to dial up with people who could break a tackle or run past somebody and do it too. So, um, again, how can they get that offense going again? Like they they've been at times efficient, and they they kind of were tonight. Like again, they scored touchdowns on three out of four drives, but that's more than one half of a game. Like that's four drives is not going to do it, especially when you're playing comfort behind there too. So, listen, they, they need a break probably. Um, it's, it's been a, a pretty hellacious first month when you think about it. It's their fifth game, and it's the first day of the second month. So and they've just been kind of bounced around with Thursday games and kind of getting their doors blown off by surprises and, and unlikely or unexpected events, or whatever. But they need to breathe and they get a chance to get one. But they're also going to have to heal up here, too, because, you know, the Donaldson thing will be something to watch, too. That was a scary situation. And, and if he's not there, how are they running the ball? Um, that'll be interesting to see, too. We'll, we'll follow up on that. It's it's not responsible or anything for us right now to say what we think might have happened. If we hear more, we'll try to get it. And Neil Brown probably will comment on that in the postgame. Certainly something we'll follow up on. That was that was not a good sight, and um, a lot of the stuff they showed you was not exactly restoring your, your faith in that situation. You know, that was, a, again, a scary moment that didn't look like it was going to um, – didn't look so serious at the moment. But, man, when you see, like, all the care they took in that situation, that's when you realize that it, in fact, was a serious moment. Uh, just to give an update from uh, from Neil Brown, uh, Quote coming in that he's that says that Donaldson is is alert and stable and has movement in his extremities. Um, that's from Angela Gutronone over uh, with uh, ESPN Plus and Gold Blue Nation. Um, obviously, we're going to get ready to watch Neil Brown ourselves, but wanted to give an update for those that are listening that may not read the stories here momentarily, going up momentarily. Um, that's positive news because, yeah, the what you saw on television was not encouraging. Um, again, that, that going off and there's, oh, a thumbs up. And it's it, they show the replay and the EMT is <clears throat> having to hold his arm up to give the thumbs up is not what you're really hoping for. But glad to hear, um, you know, that he's moving and alert and, and hopefully, you know, things get more positive from there. Story of the game, four straight touchdown drives for Texas in the first half. Seven plays, six plays, six plays, six plays. Um, 28 nothing, and then when West Virginia does try to rebound, 13 plays, 18 plays, 14 plays. That that's kind of the game there. Texas had just a different gear and different players, and had too much for West Virginia tonight. Uh, normal follow up coming on the website. We'll have three things I think, three things I know in the morning. Get some snap counts out to you. Uh, I am gonna push text from game day back a day because I'm traveling Monday, so that'll come out Tuesday. But since we have a long time in between games again, uh, Neil Brown on Tuesday, no players, just the head coach, but. This will probably be a pretty spirited conversation with the head coach once again, don't you think? I imagine it will be. Anything to plug or promote, sir? No, nope, we'll have the usual stuff up. Uh, I'm going to do – I know it's going to annoy everybody, but I'm going to keep doing it after after each loss. Uh, Sunrise Silver Linings will be up Sunday morning. Uh, we'll have the Mountaineer Report card. I'll have Big 12 Snap Judgments. And then, uh, what, Monday is uh, Bob Huggins again. So – we're in that time of year where basketball and football are going to overlap a little bit. So look for coverage of both sports in the coming week, even though it is a half a bye week for West Virginia. We got recruiting updates, basketball, all that good stuff coming too. Hey, have you heard? <laughs> I can't. Have you heard? I, I read 
what you said. Okay. So, I mean, that's a sunrise silver lining, right? <laughs> Ball's going in. The ball's going in. Guys, Guys are making shots. Can't wait. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.